0: Praise the Lord, you are destined to win. God spoke to me in August of 1980 and said, To proclaim the Word of Faith, be a showcase of ministries, and train people to fulfill the Word of God. The message that you're about to hear was recorded in a live meeting where the Lord used me to teach the uncompromising Word of Faith. So open your heart to receive the ministry of the Word of God today, and you will be changed, empowered, and motivated. To fulfill the word of God in your life. All right, we're going to take up a rather unusual topic today, and in order to get us headed in the right direction, I want to read a scripture for you from Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse seven. Now, before I start, I want to explain that I'm reading out of the amplified version of the Bible. So it's not going to read like your King James. But uh I like the way it's worded uh, here in the Amplified. And as the Amplified implies, it amplifies the meaning. It goes back to the original languages, and it takes the definitions and expands on the words based on the definition. So sometimes it reads a little... <laughs> Uh, let's call it uniquely, <laughs> but uh, you know it's not typical uh, conversational English. But uh, I think the translation will be very beneficial for us to see. So, Second Thessalonians chapter two verse seven: For the mystery of lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority, is already at work in the world, but it is restrained only until he who restrains is taken out of the way. Now, specifically, this is talking about the last days, and it's talking about uh, the Antichrist who will be revealed. And he's saying here that the mystery of lawlessness that the Antichrist represents is literally already at work. And the Antichrist won't be revealed until he who restrains is taken out of the way, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but the the key phrase I want to center up on here for our study is the title of our study, which is, The Mystery of Lawlessness. Now, you may not think there is a mystery to lawlessness, but I think that there's a deeper uh, truth here that we need to get out of the Word of God, and I've been doing some study on this, and I've seen some interesting things about these last days. Now, We've talked about before that the scripture makes it plain that in the last days it says perilous times shall come and that certain things will happen. Well, I believe we're in the last days. matter of fact, I think we're living in toward the last of the last days. And uh, this is a time when perilous times have come. And I think you can look around and you can look at what's happening in the world and even what the world is talking about on the news and so forth. And I think most people would say that we're living in perilous times. But it's perilous times financially. It's perilous times politically. But it's also perilous times spiritually. And that's what I really want to talk about. I don't want to talk so much about politics or any of those kinds of things. I want to talk about spiritual peril. There is a spiritual peril that we are confronted with in these last days. And that spiritual peril comes from this mystery of lawlessness. Now, let's look at the definition that the Amplified gives for this mystery of lawlessness. That hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority. Now, it's interesting the way this is phrased. It's a hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority. And it says it's already at work in the world but is restrained only until he who restrains is taken out of the way. In other words, this principle is already at work. It's a hidden principle. It's not overt. It's not something you see boldly displayed. It's an underlying principle. You see, there's something about that underlying principle. It's not smacking you in the face. It's underneath the surface. It's not obvious that this mystery of lawlessness is the reason for some of the things that are happening in this perilous time in the spiritual realm. Now, in order to get a better understanding of this, let's look at some other scriptures that have to do with lawlessness. Jesus was talking, this is recorded in the book of Matthew, Matthew 23, and he says, Just so you outwardly seem to people... To be just and upright, talking about the scribes and Pharisees, but inside you are full of pretense and lawlessness and iniquity. Now again, this is a hidden mystery of lawlessness. This is an underlying principle. Now let's read this again. You also outwardly seem to be people that are just and upright. But inside you are full of pretense and lawlessness and iniquity. Now we're going to come back to that word lawlessness because I think it's, it's going to be interesting to look at the implication of this. Uh, lawlessness, well, let, let me save it, let me save it, because I want to read one more scripture. Romans six nineteen. Here Paul says, I am speaking in familiar human terms. Now once again, this is the Amplified. I am speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness, so now yield your bodily members and faculties once for all as servants to righteousness, right being and doing, which leads to sanctification, sanctification meaning to be separated unto God. So he's telling believers... As when you were sinners, you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness, now you need to yield your bodily members as servants to righteousness, which leads to sanctification. So, unbelievers operate in this area of lawlessness, impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness. Now, let's stop a minute and talk about what lawlessness is. (laughs) Lawlessness, long word, break it down into its constituent parts. The law, lawless means being free from the law or the the law is absent. Lawlessness is to feel that one is free from the law. You see how that works? To feel as though you're free from the law. Now, I said I wasn't going to talk politics, but I do want to use one example. And this is what really struck me as I was doing this study. There's a lot of people today that are talking about illegal immigration. And what they seem to miss is that the people who are coming to the country illegally are breaking the laws of the country. Now, the people who are pro illegal immigration, which I find very odd to think about anyway, being pro-illegal immigration, you're basically saying you're pro-breaking the law, but that's kind of the point of what I'm getting to here. These people feel like they're being uh, very upstanding citizens and being very... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Gracious and kind and loving and open and all of those kinds of things by refusing to obey the law. As a matter of fact, and, and you've seen this in the news, there are those people, particularly politicians, in various cities that have proclaimed their cities sanctuary cities. What does that mean? That means you as an illegal person can come to our city and be protected from those that would try to enforce the law on you now think about that <laughs> these are people in positions of responsibility and authority politicians whether they're judges or whether they're city councilmen or mayors or whatever their position may be they've been charged to uphold the law and yet They feel free from law, and so they are lawless. They are advocating not living and abiding under the law. Now, that's a natural example of people who feel they're in the right because they're breaking the law. That sounds completely confusing. And counterintuitive. How can that be? How can you say that by not only breaking the law, but by helping other people break the law, cushioning and keeping people from the, uh, the, uh, the end result of breaking the law, that you are somehow better than those who want to follow the law? Well, all you're doing is advocating lawlessness. And so it's interesting to me to see that this definition here that we're talking about is talking about lawlessness. There is a mystery of lawlessness, which, remember, is a hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority. In other words, the federal law says that if you come into the country without proper papers, in the proper way, then you are breaking the law of the land and that law is a, constitu- is a law given by constituted authority, the law of the land. So now you are rebelling against that principle of constituted authority, and that lawlessness is the hidden principle of rebellion against that constituted authority. Now that's in the natural. That's just a natural example. But I want you to think about that Because now let's take it over into the spiritual realm. How many of you have heard Christians? Yeah, people you know. Maybe you've even done it. Don't raise your hand if you're one that's done it. But you know Christians who have said, Now, brother, don't tell me I shouldn't drink beer or wine because that's a law. And I'm free. I don't live under the law. Well, you know what? Paul said about that he said don't use your freedom as an occasion to the flesh now why would you want to drink beer or wine because your flesh wants it so all you're really saying is I find you're trying to hold me to a higher standard to be chafing on my desire to have my flesh do what it wants to do. Well, didn't Paul tell us there earlier in that earlier scripture? Let's read it again. Romans 6.19, I am speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness. So now, as believers, you need to yield your bodily members and faculties once for all as servants to righteousness, right being, and doing. Which leads to sanctification or to being separated apart unto God. So, what are we saying here? You need to obey those that are in authority. And let's say your pastor says you shouldn't. This happened in our church. I'll just use this as an example. Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed Taylor, of Faith and Victory Church in Greensboro, he made the statement from the podium, from the platform. Now we're going to have a church fellowship. As pastor, I am asking you not to come in short shorts and show off your rear ends. (laughs) Pastor Ed's a straight talker. (laughs) He said, dress modestly. Now, he said, you know, hey, it's the middle of the summer. I'm not asking you to dress, you know, so that you're covered from head to toe and, and, and covered with a shroud and all that kind of stuff. But he says, I am saying dress modestly. Now, I'm sure... That there was somebody out there that said, why, how dare he say that? Don't, he, doesn't he know that I am free and I can do what I want to do? Yeah, but don't use your freedom as an occasion to the flesh. Now I'm sure that if you <laughs> have a, you know, lovely blonde young lady in the church and she wears super short shorts, it's gonna be real hard to stay sanctified if you know what I mean. Alright? In other words, you have to be riding your flesh the whole time not to go bing and have your eyes pop out like those, you know, cartoons on Saturday morning. So you say, well, but Dr. Bill, shouldn't we be constraining ourselves? Shouldn't we be, uh, keeping ourselves from looking? Yes, absolutely. But, why should the young lady present you with an occasion to the flesh when the pastor asks that everyone dress modestly for the very reason that this is a church outing and we don't want everybody's head in that particular gutter. We want it on the things of the Lord and fellowshipping together. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just talking straight to you here. So now here's the thing. I'm not talking so much about rightness, wrongness, whatever of that particular injunction <laughs> against such kinds of dress. I think it's reasonable myself, but in at any point that's not that's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make here is the reaction against that pastoral injunction is to say, why who does he think he is?" That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the hidden, underlying, rebellious against authority nature that leads to lawlessness. What you're going to find is that that attitude, this is what I found in my study, that attitude of lawlessness, the mystery of lawlessness, is at the heart of Anti-Christian behavior and operation and lifestyle. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, first you've got to understand what anti-Christian is, or anti-Christ is. Anti means opposed to or against. Christ means the anointed one in his anointing. Amen? Brother Copeland has reminded us of that many, many times. So, anti-Christian or anti-Christ is to be opposed to and against the anointed one and his anointing. Now let me tell you, the reason the pastor would make a proclamation like that to ask that everyone dress modestly is to preserve an attitude or preserve an atmosphere that would allow a Christian pro-anointing lifestyle and thought process to occur let's go to a church service pastor ed has given this example before and it's a it's a good example i can't improve on it he was talking about the first time he went to a camp meeting down in tulsa oklahoma and there was a whole bunch of young ladies who were dancing and bouncing around wearing halter tops and, and short short shorts and Pastor Ed was just amazed. Now, he was raised Pentecostal holiness, so he was about as far removed from that kind of <laughs> display as you could imagine. But he's, he's seeing all this, and he's just shocked. Because from his perspective, it was breaking the flow of the service. It was preventing the anointing from operating in freedom. Because people were distracted by the natural display they saw before them, and their flesh was getting in the way of their spirit hooking up with the service. Now, I know some of you are going to say, Yeah, but Dr. Bill, you ought to be controlling yourself. Yes, amen, I agree. I'm not saying anything against that. What I'm saying is, because they did not use the gray matter that God put between their ears, the young ladies were providing an anti-Christian influence. Now, they didn't do it on purpose. I'm sure if you asked them, they'd be going, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, we're just so glad to be here. That's wonderful. But if they had just chosen to dress modestly and been doing and acting the same way, praising the Lord, throwing their hands up, dancing around, whatever, nobody would have thought a thing other than to follow the flow of the Spirit. So the rebelliousness of saying, I'm free, I can dress any way I want, deters the flow of the anointing. That's why this rebellious spirit, this mystery of lawlessness that is at work in the world, is creating an anti-anointing atmosphere that is contrary to the flow of the anointing that we want to see, that we want to see in our services, we want to see in our churches, and frankly, we want to see in our day-to-day life, because we've got to have the anointing in operation in order to live a life in these perilous times. Now let me read you another scripture that that talks about this to a certain extent. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Talking about that we shouldn't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But let's read it out of the amplified. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership has right living and right standing with God with iniquity and lawlessness? Or can, how can light have fellowship with darkness? See, like it or not, we are in a battle between light and darkness. And we have to choose whether we have fellowship with light or with darkness. How can we have partnership? Those of us who are standing for right living and the right standing with God, the righteousness of God. How can we stand in that camp and also stand in a camp with iniquity and lawlessness? Light cannot fellowship with darkness. Here's the reason. Light will always dispel darkness. And see, that's the, that's the bottom line of this mystery of lawlessness. If we lean to lawlessness, we start dimming the light. Whoo! I just saw that. Have you ever worked with a? Um, it's I think it's called a rheostat. One of those things you turn on the wall and the lights dim down, and then you turn it up and they brighten up. Well, that rheostat throttles the level of power. Whoo! Amen, glory. This is getting good. <laughs> start making some notes the rheostat throttles the level of power, and as that level of power diminishes, the light dims. Are you getting this? As you turn down the power, as you turn down the anointing, your light begins to dim. And as your light begins to dim then people don't see any difference in you. And you know why you're living here on the earth? You know, why is it that when you got born again, God just said, okay, you're born again, let's just go on home and take you out. (laughs) And take you up into heaven. Well, it'd be good for you, but it wouldn't be good for those around you. It wouldn't be good for the world that needs to see the light that you live in. You need to be a light unto the world. And the light that has been given, Jesus said, has not been given to be hidden under a bushel or under a basket. We're not to hide our light, we're to shine forth. Now, I've used this example recently before, but it fits in real well right here. I was confronted by a guy at work. And he was upset with me because I didn't cuss. Now, I don't know why he got that particular burr under his saddle. I still, to this day, don't understand why he was so upset about it. You know, at least from a natural perspective. Spiritually, I I have a certain understanding about where he was coming from. But at any rate, it just seemed to be out of the blue. He kind of got a little ticked off, just a little mad, because he started saying, you think you're perfect? I said, no, I am not perfect. Jesus is the only one that's perfect, but I'm certainly going to give it my best try. (laughs) I'm going to do what I can to live right, and so I just choose not to curse. Well, you know, all of us here are cussing. You might as well join in and cuss. Well, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. If I want to live a sanctified life, then what's wrong with that? Then he proceeded to go on and say that he used to go to church, and the reason he didn't go to church anymore is because it was full of hypocrites. Well, now hold on here a minute. You're going to get mad at me because I don't cuss, but the reason you quit going to church because Christians were all hypocrites. Well, now you're confronted with one that's not a hypocrite, and you're going to get mad at him. Now, if you suspect what I suspect, he's not mad at me. He's mad cause there really is somebody out there living the kind of life that the word of God says you're supposed to live. And that means he could do it. So really he's mad at himself. See, that's, that's what I finally came to realize. And it's also why I didn't get all, you know, huffy or been out of shape or anything else. I just stayed real calm and quiet and loving and said, well, praise the Lord. No, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to do the best I can. And then he went on to talk about hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. I said, well, listen. He said, you know, my pastor says, if you don't like hypocrites, you sure don't want to go to hell because there's a whole bunch of hypocrites there. And he said, well, now you know that's right. <laughs> and that finally put a, a stop to the, the discussion. But at the same time, you got to think about what you're saying here. You're mad at me because I'm not cussing. Well, it's the light. See, it's not so much that I'm not joining in. It's not so much that I'm not being a part and that he's wanting me to join in. That's not the point at all. The point is he saw light and it showed forth the shadows in his own life. Now, I believe, just from talking to him, that he is probably born again. He's just not living as abundant a life as he should because he has been taught well. He's gone to a church that didn't teach the word of faith in as strong a measure as it should be by a long stretch. But at any rate, the point is he's living far below his rights and privileges as a believer. Well, what I want to do and what I'm believing to do is to live far above the natural I want to live a supernatural lifestyle. I want to live in the light. I want to speak the light. I want to confess the light. I want to put forth the light. And when I do, that's going to shine the light on the darkness. Which is why, 2 Corinthians 6.14, we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. We should not make mismatch alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them, inconsistent with our faith. That last phrase is important, inconsistent with your faith. There are a lot of people that make statements trying to fit in that is inconsistent with their faith. Now, I kind of feel like we ought to say "salah" here and think about that just a minute. There are a lot of people making statements to fit in, whether it's at work, maybe even at church, sadly, Are with friends, that they're saying things and doing things that they know is inconsistent with their faith. And that's why Paul is giving this charge here. What partnership does right living and right standing with God have with iniquity and lawlessness? How can light have fellowship with darkness? If a light gets turned on, the darkness is dispelled. So it's important for you to live a lifestyle that is light. A lifestyle that is the anointed one and his anointed. See, Christians, the word Christian literally means a little Christ-like one. You know how the scripture says they were first called Christians at Antioch? Well, they were being called... Christ-like ones. Anointed one and his anointed like ones. See, that's what I want to be known as. As an anointed person. Anointed like the Lord. So that when my light shines, people... You know, I dare say that if there was a need for somebody to lay hands on somebody and pray for them, people would know who to go see. I'm talking about out in the natural now. I'm talking about You know, whether you're at work or whatever. They they know who the fanatics are. They know who the, the crazy nut Christians are. And I want to be one of those. Now, this same guy that I'm talking about, during his fuss, made this statement. He said, don't you know that everybody around here knows that you're one of them nuts? And I said, oh, sure. I'm glad they do. Well, he was shocked. He said, you know they they think that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They I know that they think I'm a fanatic. But don't you understand that could hurt you? I said, what do you mean? He, he said, there are places you couldn't work believing what you do. And I just said very calmly and matter-of-factly, well, then I wouldn't want to work there, now would I? <laughs> he kind of rolled his eyes and said, oh, what am I going to do with this guy? That was kind of his look on his face. But my point was, I need to be who I am. I need to show forth the light. You know, as Brother Copeland once said, if it hair lips the devil. Matter of fact, I want it to hair lip the devil. Amen. <laughs> hey the point is, I need to be that person of light. I need to be that standout fanatic If you need somebody to lay hands on you, here I am. Get out of the way, Sadie. Bar the door. I'm going to lay hands on you and pray in the Holy Ghost until you're raised up. Amen. See, they ought to know that about you. And those that know that about you know who to go talk to. They know who to see. Amen. So, why I say all this? Because what I'm seeing is there are believers who are being pulled away gradually, it's like that rheostat. They're turning down the power level. They don't want to stand out as being one of those wild fanatics, one of those word of faith, glory to God, tongue-talking, devil-casting-out believers. They want to just kind of go along and get along, and everybody's just going to be happy and we're going to be fine kind of attitude, and so they're turning down the rheostat. You need to turn it up full bore. You, have you ever turned one of those rheostats up to where it clicks full bore and the light's on bright and it seems to just have that little hum to it because you know full power to that thing. And it's as bright as it can be. But you turn it down and you hear a hum as it turns down and the light starts dimming. The power is being restrained. And that's what the mystery of lawlessness will do. It will restrain that. It will tune you and tone you down. And you don't need to be toned down. You need to be full out. Amen? Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. You have loved righteousness. You have delighted in integrity, virtue, and uprightness and purpose, thought and action, you have hated lawlessness, injustice and iniquity. Therefore, because you have hated lawlessness, injustice and iniquity, and you love righteousness, therefore God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of exultant joy and gladness above and beyond your companions. Woo, amen. But now I want, to, I want to kind of go back to that middle part of that verse. You have hated lawlessness. Oh, but Dr. Bill, I didn't think we were supposed to hate anything. We're supposed to love. Well, God is love, yes. But God is also just. Amen? God set forth that dreaded word, laws. Ho, <laughs> ho, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. Those are laws. And you know who gave us those laws? God. And you know who God is? He's love. Love gives laws. Now before you get all bent out of shape with me, there's some of you I know are going oh my God, my God, brother Bill. Now hold on. Think of yourself for just a minute whether you're a parent or not, as a parent. You love your child. Amen? Have you never had to lay down the law with your son or daughter? In other words, express what they could do and could not do, and you made it very clear they could not do whatever it was, X, Y, Z, whatever it happened to be, and they call that laying down the law. Now, did you love them less because you laid down the law? Well, no, no. I I loved them more. I loved them. It's the reason I laid down the law. I was trying to make sure that they didn't get hurt. I was trying to make sure that they had the right example. I was trying to make sure that they grew up and lived the life that they should live. Uh-huh. So now you're going to get upset with God because he laid down some laws. And you're going to say, well, that's not love. No, it is love to lay down the laws. And there's nothing wrong with law. Law is not a bad word. Law's got three letters, not four. <laughs> law is not a bad word. Law is given primarily to constrain the flesh. I like something that, that Pastor Ed said recently. He said, just don't ever trust your flesh. <laughs> Don't ever trust flesh. (laughs) Flesh will always pull you in a negative direction. It will pull you away from the Lord. It will pull you away from God. That's why we are to put to death the flesh. That doesn't mean kill your body. That's not the point. The flesh it's talking about here is the fleshly nature. That needs to be nailed up on the cross. That fleshly nature. And we need to lean to the spirit man. That's the real us. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body which is flesh, which will draw us away from the things of God. For that reason, laws were given. Laws were given to constrain flesh. If we leaned entirely to the spirit, I'm going to say something here that's going to shock some of you. If we constantly always lean to the spirit, we wouldn't need laws. Because our spirits have been made right with God, we have right standing with God, and therefore if we were constantly living in the Spirit and closely tied to the Holy Ghost all the time, we'd never ever chafe at a law. But what chafes at law is flesh. So when you find yourself being constrained and feeling bent out of shape about a particular law... Given by an established authority, you can pretty much rest assured that's your flesh. Because you're saying, I want to be free. There's some of you that look at the 55 mile an hour speed limit and say, Wow, 55 miles an hour, that's too slow. I need to go 70. I need to go 80. Why? Well, I just can't, I can't get from point A to point B fast enough if I just do 55. Well, that's the law. Yeah, I know, but it doesn't apply to me. Now, hold on, that blue light in your rearview mirror <laughs> seems to indicate it applies to you. Yeah, I know, I got a ticket last week. Well, why'd you get the ticket? Ah, because of that sorry cop. No, not the sorry cop, it's because you broke the law. Do you know if you'd have stayed 54 miles an hour and driven by that cop could have just driven by you and waved and there wouldn't have been any problem? You broke the law. And when you break law, there are results to be paid. Now, hey, I have broken the speed limit. I have been pulled over by the cops. And when I have been pulled over, I have sat there and said, oh Lord, mercy, mercy, mercy. <laughs> because I knew I had actually broken the law. I didn't mean to, wasn't my intent, but I did it and I was caught. Twas a fair cop. I had been caught. (laughs) But you know what? There is mercy. Very often the policeman will say, now look, I'm going to let you off with a warning. You need to pay attention to the speed limit and not break the law. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do that. Amen. I'm glad he gave me some mercy. And there is mercy. Amen. But you don't make a conscious decision to break the law and live that way. That's lawlessness. And living in that kind of attitude of lawlessness constrains the power of God, constrains the anointing, turns down the rheostat and the light starts dimming. And before you know it, you're thinking things and believing things and saying things that are not in line with your faith. And you'll find yourself falling backwards, that's what backsliding is about, falling backwards into sin because you you are dulled to sin, made callous to sin by constantly living in that sin. Now let me read 1 John 1-9. Now first of all, before I read 1 John 1-9 in the Amplified, I want to say this. 1 John 1-9 is not written to unbelievers. There's a lot of people that read 1 John 1-9 and they think it's talking about getting born again. No, he's talking to believers here. An unbeliever comes to the Lord and repents, turns from their sin, receive Jesus Christ as Lord, believe God raised him from the dead, and you're saved. A believer who sins, that falls under the category of 1 John 1.9. Now let's read it out of the Amplified. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, who will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will, his purpose, his thought, and his actions. Woo! Let me go back and read that again. Ooh. God is faithful, true to his own nature and promises, He will forgive our sins and dismiss our lawlessness. If this mystery of lawlessness has been at work in you, you can confess your sins and be cleansed. And notice what it says. Continuously, constantly, ongoing, cleansed from all unrighteousness, which is everything not in conformity to his will, in purpose, thought, and action. Now let me tell you something. The life you want to live is the life that is in the will of God. If you live a life in the will of God in purpose, in thought, and in action, then God's going to turn up the rheostat in you, and the power level is going to be turned up in you, and the anointing is going to flow in your life, and you're going to have a blessed and favored life with Him glory but this mystery of lawlessness is engineered by satan it is the the root of antichrist opposed to and opposite of the anointed one and his anointing it's the root of the antichrist nature that is at work in the world today. That's why you will see the world leaning more toward lawlessness away from righteously established authority. So that's why people don't like, and when I say people, I'm talking about people out in the world, you know, people that have nothing to do with God and His Word. They don't want to hear about the Bible. They don't want to talk about the Bible. They don't want to talk about Christianity. They don't want to talk about church It just really just chafes them to talk about some of those things because they are rebelling against authority that has been righteously established. They are operating in a spirit of lawlessness. The mystery of that underlying attitude of lawlessness is at work in them and is drawing them away from the anointing And that's where we come in and we pray and we confess and we believe that the, the, uh, uh, I started to say mask, the blinders, that's a good way of putting it. The blinders are taken away and they see clearly the light that's before them. You can pray that that mystery of lawlessness would be cut short in their life in that they would see the light of the, gl- the glorious light of the gospel, as the, the scripture puts it. We need to be praying for the world. We need to be believing to go out and have the opportunity to minister and be those lights. But we can't be the light if we don't let the light shine. Let this light so shine in you. How are you going to do that? Refuse this mystery of lawlessness. Refuse to get chafed by righteously established authority and by what may seem like something that's just really, oh, it's just, just really racking against your flesh. Well, you need to just say flesh. You're going to have to just get over it because that's the word of God and I'm going to stand for that. And if it chased my flesh, it's just going to have to. And you go on with God. Amen? Well, praise God. I trust you got something out of this. I know I did. Boy, I tell you, that that example of that rheostat, that was thats fresh off the Holy Ghost, you know, teletype, if there is such thing anymore. There's not too many teletypes out anymore. But praise the Lord. <laughs> I just trust you. You see that the way I saw it. The The power gets turned up and the light gets brighter. The power gets turned down and the light gets dimmer. We need to live that life and be that light for the world to see. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you, Father, that you're showing us some things about this mystery of lawlessness that's at work in the world, and we just commit not to give in to the mystery of lawlessness, not to be pulled away from the anointed one and his anointing, but to stand for The word of faith and stand for the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I trust that you receive from the ministry of the word of God today. If you'd like to contact me, you may write me at Dr. Bill Bailey, Word of Faith Ministries. P.O. Box 5213-5213, High Point, North Carolina, 27262. Or you may email me at this address, drbill, Dr. D-R-B-I-L-L, at wofm.org. If God speaks to your heart about supporting our ministry financially, or you would like to receive more teaching messages from the Word of God, Check out our website at www.wofm.org. I believe and agree with you for the full 100-fold return on your giving. I also believe and know that God is richly blessing you and your family every day in every way. Praise God you are blessed and highly favored.